0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Oh, that sound! Take a deep breath. Jonathan Papelbon will not scare you anymore. Nationals avoid a sweep with a 10-9 win over the Cincinnati Reds in Great American Ballpark doghouse. We had to sweat this one out, though. They come back from a five-nothing deficit. Take a 10-5 lead into the seventh inning. Felipe Rivero on walk single three-run home run with one out in the inning. Ten to eight game after Jay Bruce's blast, there. Uh, Sean Kelly finishes off the seventh, comes back out for a scoreless eighth, hands it to Jonathan Papelbon in the ninth inning, looking for save number 15 of the year. And this is where it gets dicey. Tyler Holt with a single to start things. Joey Votto walks. Brandon Phillips with a double to left to bring uh, Holt in. Joey Votto goes to third. So first base is open. They walk Jay Bruce intentionally. Bases loaded, no outs. Jonathan Papelbon somehow gets out of it uh, to the surprise of just about everyone watching the game, I think. Adam Duval pops up the short for out number one. Zach Kozart goes down chasing a uh, really bad at bat by him there. I'll pick on Kozart for a second, and then we'll pick on Papaban. Ivan DeJesus, Jr. flies out the center to end it a little too deep the center for my taste. It just wanted us to sweat it out there a little bit more, but... Jonathan Papelbon, uh, that, that bend that dis- but doesn't break line from Dusty Baker. I hope he doesn't use that one again. But Nationals just escaped with a, a sweep avoiding win, 10-9 in the end, after Papelbon really put a scare in that span. Uh
0: I, I don't know if you could quite say bend without breaking here. It's, it's more like bend and only broke mostly as opposed to completely disintegrating. Uh, <laughs> you you, you know, it, it's been, Except to starting off three and zero against the last couple of hitters, I-, I think he literally went as far as you can go, close to losing the game without losing the game as you can go. Uh, okay, losing or tying, let's say. Um, I- I- load the bases with with no outs. Uh, it. I- <laughs> Uh, I I realize Rivero and Kelly did not cover themselves with glory yesterday. Uh, Rivero had another tough outing today. Uh, But of course, Kelly bounced back and, and got, got five nice outs. You know, it's easy enough to say, all right, even a good reliever is not going to be good every single time they come out. And certainly that's, that's what we saw from uh, Rivero and Kelly this week. But, Goodness gracious, it seems like this is what we see out of Papelbon every other outing. Um, you know, Insert everything that we've been saying about his, his lack of stuff and survival on sheer will and guile at this point. Uh, he's, it's not always going to be the critical A.B. against a younger hitter who is willing to chase and, and is more nervous than you. Uh, we, we were awfully close to seeing that run walk-in or... or some other bad be hit, sneak through the infield and push the winning runs across. Uh, just please, Dusty, it's time for a change in terms of the bullpen <laughs> management here. I don't care how much he's getting paid. All right, I'll stop now. <laughs> Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball
1: also joining us on the line. Dave, we talked the other day about uh, Ken Rosenthal from Fox Sports, MLB.com's Bill Ladson throwing out there the rumors that the Nationals are looking for a bullpen upgrade and possibly at the end of the bullpen Uh, Joel Sherman of New York uh, News, uh, New York Post, I don't know where he is anyway, uh, threw out some scenarios today, too, mentioned that the Nationals might be interested in both of the options out there in New York with uh, Aroldis Chapman and Andrew Miller. I don't necessarily like the trades he was throwing out there, but I understand the Nationals' interest after watching Papelbon come close to blowing one again. I I don't think the people in the Nationals' front office are dumb. If we can spot these things and the trends that are going down for him, uh, you have to think they're out there looking for something, and they you know, got out of it with a win today, but could very easily have blown this one and gotten swept by a twenty-one
0: and thirty-five Cincinnati Reds team. Yeah, that would have been that would have been bad. I mean, it was bad in quotation marks. Um, you know, when we, when we started talking about this series, um, you know, the beginning of when, we, when it started, we figured, okay, if they win four or five out of the, the for the first six against Philly and the Reds they'll be doing something. Well, they slipped the, the Phillies thing, and we had good feelings about coming in here, um, and then they, they laid the third Friday and Saturday night and, and see, with the, uh, just the skin of their teeth today. Um, yeah, they got to do something. I mean, we've talked about this all season long, how Papelbon's skills has degraded to the player where he's barely a major league pitcher anymore. Um, obviously, these high-leverage situations, he's surviving. He's 15 out of 17 purely, uh, for the most part, on luck instead of skill. Um, he's just—he's not fooling anybody. Um, the fastball is flat. Your slider, when it's not sliding like today, uh, is batting practice. And we saw it yet again. Uh, it's only a matter of time before um, before this really costs the Nationals in terms of, of uh, blowing saves, losing games. Um, and it looks like this division is going to come down to the last week of the season. And you can ill afford to have somebody you don't trust closing ball games. What's the solution? Well, there really isn't anything in house. I mean, we've seen um, the guys that the Nats uh, hope would be their backup the options. Um, you know, primarily Felipe Rivero struggle. Uh, Rivero's to the point now where well, you might have to send him down to get strained out against left-handed hitters because he's incapable of pitching to them. Uh, Sean Kelly is probably the next in line for saves, and uh, it's very rare that a that a reliever, a mid reliever, gets a three-year contract. So obviously the Nats think that he's capable of doing it, um, but he's had bouts where um all of a sudden he forgets how to throw a strike. So, um it, it hurts this team that they have to cover a bad transaction, i. e. Jonathan Papelbon, with potentially another bad transaction because you know whatever that they give up to the Yankees to acquire either Andrew Miller or or um or Chapman is just gonna be exorbitant. The, the Yankees are gonna ask for the moon because they know that if the Nats are going to come crawling to take on one of those two contracts, it's going to it's going to cost them. Uh, what is it going to cost them? Um, you hope it doesn't cost a big part of the future because, as we all know, uh, relievers are fungible assets. But um, those two are two of the best left-handed arms in the game. So whatever, if they, if they end up making a deal with the Yankees, it's going to cost the Nats, and it would be a shame to compound a bad trade with yet another bad trade. Yeah, I think the reason they're looking for a backhand arm is
1: that they have the, when they're going right, as they have been for most of this season, though some of the relievers have faltered recently, they have everything from the 6th, 7th, 8th covered pretty much, and then you got Papelbon in the 9th, who just continues to scare everyone, and you said it's going to be an exorbitant price, uh, just for the sake of argument. The trades Joel Sherman was throwing out there were Ronaldo Lopez and Wilmer Difo, maybe more for Aroldis Chapman, or if you want to get Miller, he said Giolito and Robles, which uh, you know Rizzo hangs up the phone if you ask for that, but it's going to cost them if they want to get one of those two guys. Uh, Maybe Rizzo goes out and does what he normally does and finds some controllable closer out there, a young guy, but you kind of need someone established if you're going to knock Papelbon out of that role, and like you said, you're just – trying to make up for last year's mistakes still at this point because Papelbon just does not look good out there, even though he managed to escape this one. and I guess it was right. definitely
0: early because – go ahead. I was just going to say the, the, the uh, further exasper- exacerbated the problem is you're going to have to DFA Papelbon. He's not somebody that you can fight into the eighth or the seventh inning. You're going to have to let him go. So you have to find – when you replace him, you're going to have to find another arm to replace him, whether that's um, from another major league team or from the minor leagues.
1: So, it started bad as well with Tanner Roark on the mound, 2 and 2 with the Nats 2 and 4 in and six May starts, over which he had a 3 2 3 ERA, 229, 306, 3 line against in 39 innings, 1 and 1 with a one nine, 189 ERA, 186, 269, 300 line in 19 innings against the Reds in his career. So he gave up five runs in a 41 pitch, six hit, one intentional walk. Uh, second inning there, 54 pitches total after two. He's done after three innings. Dusty goes for it when the Nationals rallied a little bit in the fourth. He replaces uh, uh, Tanner Roark with Steven Drew, who drives in a run to make it 5-4 at that point. They end up tying it on a Ben Revere single, a ground ball that actually got through second, which is your big favorite Ben Revere joke, 5-5 when they rallied there. (laughs) But Tanner Roark is done for the day after just three innings. Really not a good outing for him. The ball was up the whole time, uh, getting hit hard, three innings, seven hits, five earned runs. Put him in a big deficit, which they rallied from, but he was done
0: early. Yeah, this is this is the the problem with with life as a contact manager. Uh, anytime you give up contact, there's a chance something can go wrong. And n- not all of this was weak contact. You know, there were a couple of good hard hit balls in that uh, that long second inning for Roark, but uh, there was a lot of weak contact that found a found a hole or died before the infielder could get to it and the uh, batter reached base or that blooped into no man's land. Uh, out, out of those seven hits, probably four should have been out. If they were hit a little harder, or a little weaker, or a little bit to one side. Um, but it, this, this is the, the weakness of, of living in contact and not, not being a, a predominantly swing and miss kind of guy, you know, not not to revisit the ninth inning or anything. Of course, that was all hard contact for the most part, so we're not revisiting the ninth inning there. Uh, it was really nice to see uh, see the Nets come back and rally off of that uh, because I, I was going to be I, – I can't even imagine how hysterical my headline would have been in the postgame if they had somehow been uh, been no hit by, by Moscat. And uh, i, I got to give my props here to uh, – Bob Carpenter on the on the broadcast because he, he brought the whammy out early and often talking about how he was throwing a no-hitter, so good <laughs> on you for invoking the jinx there. Dave, uh, Boscott, a
1: 24-year-old 20, 2012 fourth-round pick, 0-3 in and and four starts this season, a 7-1-3 ERA, 9 FIP, 3.57 Ks for nine, 4.58 walks for nine, 273, 373, 681 line against 17-2 thirds. That's a 90 to 92 mile an hour fastball, slider 82 85, two seamer 90 92, a curve and change. Started with two and a third hit list. Uh, Harper single, first hit of the game, followed by a Murphy home run. He's absolutely crushed it. Five to two at that point. Uh, Ramos follows with a blast, five to three five to four on Drew's single. That was all for Boscott. Uh, one time through the order, he had the Nationals on the ropes and pretty much shut them down. But they really got to him in that rally in the uh, fourth inning and knocked him out of there pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it's not really worth
0: talking about John Moskett because he's not going to be a major league pitcher for very much longer and would only be a major league pitcher on the Reds, the Padres, or the Twins at this point. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the Nats offense had to wake up in this one. There, there was just no excuse Losing to a pitcher like to a, on the skill level of John Moskett, who would not be pitching for 27 or the 30 major league franchises. It's nice to see Harper get going today with a couple of hits. Uh, Ramos with the with the blue home run, um, a couple more hits. Um, this offense is capable of producing. Um, it just seems like they were in a funk here for the last couple of weeks. But Harper um, starting to make some more contact again is going to help this offense a lot. It's hard to it's hard to imagine saying that Bryce Harper in the middle of the order has been hurting the Nats' offense. But, you know, for the last three weeks, he has. I mean, he's hit, what, 185 in May or whatever it is. It was down to his batting average overall for the season was was it 240. I mean, that's that's stinky. But uh, um, hopefully he's getting out of the funk that uh, that all those intentional walks brought upon and, and the Nats can start finding more offense in the middle of their lineup again.
1: 249. After a 3 for 5 day today, 3 for 5 from Murphy and Ramos as well. All 3 for 5 in the 3 for 5 spots in the order. It came out big today, right there. But uh, I think between Roark, Roark's rough start and Pappelbond's uh, troubling ninth, there dug I think what kind of gets lost in this mix is uh, Sammy Solis coming on there early for Tanner Roark. Three innings, just one hit allowed, one walk, six Ks. Pretty efficient. Uh, as well, uh, where's his pitch total? I he lost it on I me. Mean, 50 pitches in three scoreless innings, struck out five in a row at one point, uh, ends up getting the win when the Nationals rally there. Really just a, a dominant performance out there. I mean, maybe it was just a hard-throwing lefty coming on after Roark had struggled and they were hitting him pretty hard, but he, he dominated the Reds out there and really kept the Nationals
0: in this as they rallied and overtook the Reds. Uh, yeah, he, he was commanding his pitch as well, throwing an easy 95 from the left side uh again coming in looking uh very much in, in control, not really uh worried about the situation even when it, it you know became a tie game as he was pitching. Uh interestingly enough, he has the second highest WPA on the team this game, just behind mm-hmm. Wilson Ramos on the strength of his three for five pop fly home run uh day. But Solis is uh is a great asset to have in the pen. He can give you multiple innings, and he gives you multiple high-quality innings. Uh, and that's just like we saw today. Um, honestly, I, I don't want to see him go when Belial comes back. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Papelbon go when Belial comes back. I'm sure Papel, or Belial <laughs> could do just as good a job closing games. Uh, but uh, sorry, not not to dig that sore spot back up. Yes, thumbs up for Solis. Dave
1: has anticipated my next question there. I I think he's been extremely valuable out of 10. I think having that third lefty is a good thing, especially one who can give you uh, extended innings or come on in a a short spot when you need a left-hander there. Uh, Matt Belisle has been rehabbing, though. It seems like he's just about ready to go. Uh, Sammy Solis was called up when he went on the DL. Uh, it's kind of hard to part ways with him at this point. I think Dusty Baker seems to like having him out there too. Uh, what do you anticipate them doing if and when Belial's ready to come back? Is he going to spend a little bit of time at AAA or somewhere uh, working his way back until they need him, or do you think they're going to make a
0: move when he's ready? Well, Lyle gets 30 days on rehab, so I think he's got another you know two weeks or so um to, to further Doc House's point, I think Matt Belisle and, and Jonathan Peppel on skill level are pretty similar at this point. Now you're soft tossing righties that have to live on dial as opposed to skill. Um, and, you know, it's really a toss up between them, but, um, but yeah, no, a third lefty in the pen is a luxury. Um, logically, you would think that Solis would be the move to go out. You'd hate to see it happen because he has pitched so well. He's pitched well in difficult situations for the Nats. Um, just did absolute yeoman's work today. So um, it would be tough to see him go. Good. Um, but it comes down to um, Dusty Baker's preference. You know, he wants a third lefty in the pen, but, um, but Belisle made this team um, against all odds out of spring training. So um, you would have to think that Dusty wants him back in the pen when, he, when he's ready to go. So um, I don't know. Felipe Rivero, send him down to get him straightened out against lefties? Who knows? Um, at this point, they have to figure out um, what Rivero can do because uh, the idea that you've got a left-hander that can't get left-handed hitters out um, it doesn't wash. I mean, he's been just devastated against right-handers that can't get lefties out, and they need to fix that.
1: A big uh, inning in the fourth. He scored five more in the fifth and sixth. Uh, we won't go through all the scoring because we're just about going to wrap up here, but big talk in that sound from what I've seen on social media and on federal baseball this weekend was the fact that Trey Turner only got the one start doghouse, uh, didn't get in the game today, got in late yesterday. Uh, what do you think about Dusty Baker bringing him up here, but not starting him going with Clint Robinson at first after they'd moved Daniel Murphy over there. So Turner could play second, but sticking with Espinosa at short uh, from what they've said, Turner is going to be going right back down now that Ryan Zimmerman's going to be coming back from the paternity list. So, people are up in arms and that down that he wasn't used when he was up here and that he's most likely not staying. But what do you think
0: about the way Dusty Baker handled this weekend? Well, I, I think Turner has shown that the Nats cannot win when he is playing. So let's, <laughs> let's get that albatross back in Syracuse where it belongs. Uh, look, he, he got a nice little call up, a little cup of coffee here, but, uh, I think there's something to be said and probably uh, I would imagine Dusty kind of feels this way since he seems to be sort of uh, a player guy, uh, a feel sort of guy that the Nets are more or less working as they are. So keep the roster as it is and don't bring Trey up until you really need him. Uh, it's nice that he was able to adapt so quickly to major league pitching, uh, although uh, in, in spite of only going one for three against them, I feel like I have to put in a dig about the Reds and being actual major league pitching. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that, that, that sometime along the line, you know, not that you wish for something like this, but someone's going to struggle or someone's going to need some time off or maybe take a little DL trip, Turner will be back. Uh, I, I think that's, that's going to happen, and it's going to happen before rosters expand. Dave, thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Well, it looks like we lost Dave, so we'll have to wrap up there. The Nats break a five-game losing streak in Great American Ballpark with the win today, 34-23 on the year. Uh, day off tomorrow, then they start a three-game set with the White Sox in Chicago. We'll talk to you guys after that one. Uh, Nats night sponsored by federalbaseball.com. Doghouse says go Nats.
0: Talk to you guys later.